0: You're listening to Jesus Walks on Wall Street, where real people working in the finance industry talk about life, work, and faith with your host, Pastor Nathan Hart. Ralph Schoenrock is a managing director and chief risk officer for the U.S. Wealth Division at UBS, and he joins me today for Jesus Walks on Wall Street. Thank you so much, Ralph, for being here.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about what that means? You are Managing Director and Chief Risk Officer. What do you do?
1: What do I do? I um, oversee a a team of of risk officers covering credit risk, uh, some market risk, conduct risk as well uh, for the U.S. Wells business where, you know, think about this as, as UBS providing loans to individuals, some of them very structured. They need to be reviewed. They need to be approved. They need to be monitored, and and if things go bad, they need to be worked out, and, and and structured all along the way. And that's sort of my main activity. So,
0: to a layman like me, help me just really wrap my mind around this. When you say um, risk officer, you're trying to help. So, so your bank, which is a few billion dollars. I mean, how big is UBS?
1: UBS is a it's a glo- truly global bank. We have yeah. about two and two point five. Trillion assets oh under management. So managing on behalf of clients, it's a pretty significant uh, wealth. It's the truly global wealth manager. is a significant mm-hmm. player. They have some other businesses as well, uh, but they're truly global.
0: But the the U.S. wealth division obviously isn't trillions of dollars, but it has a a certain slice of that pie. And your job is to reduce the risk. On the loans that you guys have out there with individuals. Yes,
1: that that's the, one of the primary risks I, I cover. And we think about it, UBS in the U.S. in their wealth business, we have about six thousand plus adv- financial advisors. They're spread around the whole country. They sit in branches and they they do the client-facing mm-hmm. uh, work. And and as part of their interactions with clients, they, you know, there's some there's some need on on. On, on getting some loans and some other structured products, and someone within the firm needs to vet all of this if mm-hmm. it's appropriate for the client, if it's if it's well suited and and you know um, well priced and so on and so forth. So think about me as someone in my team as a review and challenge mm-hmm. function mm-hmm. Uh, to make sure that the front office who faces the clients is that you know that they're doing the offering the right products and mm-hmm. well-suited clients.
0: So is it true that if people like you had really been doing their job well, that the big financial meltdown of 07, 08 might not have happened? Or, or if people like you had, you know, had, had the ears of, of those making big decisions on the housing loans?
1: Um, not so sure. Uh, I would agree. Well, look, I, I think the whole industry has learned a lot mm-hmm. through, that, uh, through that crisis I think there was uh, not enough rigor in the independent review and challenge. That's sort of my fi- my role as an independent review mm-hmm. and challenger. But but in the end of the day, you know, you can't just it cannot just be the independent review and function to to safeguard everything. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a front to back buy-in by ma- mm-hmm. from senior management from the people who who face the clients and interact with the clients through the back office that everybody is on the same page yeah. are aligned. And, and, and make sure that, that everyone conducts you know, proper business, doesn't get you know, that there are checks and balances in place, that greed doesn't you know, take hold of people and, and, and incentives are properly aligned. So I think the industry has learned a lot. So uh, let,
0: let me slow that down a minute because you just said something to some of the safeguards are in place. I think you just said so that greed doesn't take hold of, of people's agendas right, so t- talk to me a little bit more about that how, how does greed isn 't i mean isn 't greed good, but are you saying that maybe <laughs> it gets out of control and and that 's what causes people to make decisions that end up hurting others
1: greed is good yeah famous wall street uh, <laughs> there we go. movie quote um, look i mean it's this is a that 's a topic in itself i I do mm-hmm. think people on wall street and it has changed a little bit my at least my perspective is that. That money and, and how much money you make, how much you advance in your career, is definitely a significant motivator, mm-hmm. right? So so and if you if you do this intrinsically, look out for yourself and for your self interest, and and given the money involved in some of these opportunities, um, you know you just um, if you if you have the wrong identities and if that's where you define your mm-hmm. identity. You sometimes a line gets blurry, what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think you know went wrong during the you right. know, the crisis. People looked the other 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 side, but not just okay. on the financial service industry. There was there's was just one of many other stakeholders mm-hmm. who didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, I wouldn't call them out as the only corporate. The industry has changed in a way that sort of uh, aligning the, the financial interests appropriately. Mm-hmm. That somebody gets, you know, When when he takes big risks, that his compensation is paid over many many years, and he may actually lose, or she may lose a big chunk of it if, if it turns out that they made the wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some other checks and balances in place, where particularly on conduct risk, uh, ethics. You know, it's it's there was almost today in the big firms there is almost a zero tolerance for any. Hmm. Conduct issues, hmm. right? And, and, and yeah. because what we need in this, in this business, particular financial service industry, which is so human, uh, it's basically about the people who walk in mm-hmm. and out mm-hmm. the doors, they in and out, that you need people with integrity. Mm-hmm. You can't put a control framework around where, where you, can, you can manage everything. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You, need, you need a combination of sound checks and balances, but mm-hmm. you also need culture, you, know, you need people with, with, you know, with integrity and, and uh, a common culture of, of you know, doing the right thing. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's difficult to
0: control. So you, as a managing director, you need to bring people onto your team. Is this a priority for you? It sounds like it is. When you um, hire people and bring people into the ecosystem that you govern, you're looking for people with integrity, with high ethics, with good personal conduct and professional conduct?
1: Yes, that's certainly one of the major uh, criteria's. Not just the subject matter expertise, I mean you need that too mm-hmm. but but you 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 select people where you feel there you have some references or some reason yeah. to believe that they come with high integrity,
0: yeah and um do you uh, working on these teams and working in this environment, do you ever talk openly about the fact that you're a Christian? does that come up ever
1: it it comes up occasionally mm-hmm. uh not in an open form necessarily but it's interesting that you ask is i I've, I've definitely um try to find ways where there are no uncertainties around it mm-hmm. but in a, in a way which is not in people's face right mm-hmm. because i don't yeah. think that's particularly constructive for them or me uh so what i what i what i've done is is um you know there was this interview a while ago which they published in in, in the in, internal newspaper it was Pretty clear that I was a christian mm-hmm. I, I I just uh, intentionally threw this in on several occasions in terms of my favorite book and 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 what I'm doing and sort of the uh, what's your favorite book well the bible mm. <laughs> um, and that made it pretty clear and 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 uh some of the non profit involvement I had you know with with mm-hmm. faith based ministries and so on and forth yeah. um and then I have bible verses in my office, so when people come to my office that should be that should be uh, visible there as well and 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 people know that i 'm a Christian, so mm-hmm. you know i I find it out sometimes a little bit to 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 some regret where they where they almost feel like okay they 're making a comment to just to signal that they 're also a Christian. I feel like it 's kind of sad that we both need to give our, us mm-hmm. hidden signals that we're christian can 't we just outwardly talk about mm-hmm. it, but we are in a professional environment where mm-hmm. um, I have to be respectful of that as well where Diversity, particular uh, uh, religious diversity, yeah. is absolutely paramount. You yeah. have you believers of uh, of Jewish traditions, you yeah. have believers of Muslim tradition, you have Christian yeah. believers. So you have to be, you know, it's you have to you walk a fine line there. Yeah. You want to exclude people, right. particularly when you're in a in a position of authority and, and influence. Uh, you need to be balanced about this.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned in, in this company-wide newsletter. Uh, our newspaper, they published an article about you. You mentioned the Bible, and you also mentioned some non profit work and I want to explore that a little bit with you. You also used a phrase a little bit earlier self interest in a lot of the industry, the finance industry is driven by self interest but then you talked about the kind of the ethical guardrails you have to put around that because sometimes people it goes out of control. but I know you well enough, Ralph, to know that you 're only governing. Agenda in your life is not self interest because I know some of this nonprofit work that you do, which is very what I would call other interest, right? We don't even use that phrase. We talk about self interest, but you have other interests. You have a heart that beats for particularly the poor and the marginalized. You and I both have been to a place in Guatemala that's a large slum with like 50,000 very impoverished people, La Limonada in Guatemala. You now serve on the board of a ministry that tries to serve those people by building Christian schools for them. Can you tell me what mov- mo- motivated you to get into that?
1: I can tell you very well what motivated me. It's it's uh my my pastor talked to me on the parking lot that this is a he just came back from a mission trip. Mm-hmm. I think it was Nathan Hart. <laughs> uh who said I just came back from a mission trip and yep. and this is the real deal. Yep. You should look into it and I was yep. at a time in my life where I felt God calling me for something, you know, in, in that season of my life to to go a little bit outward to mm-hmm. to be involved in nonprofits and and do something, you know, in that there and and that sort of triggered this this involvement and then mm-hmm. I contacted the executive director. Uh, we started you know to talk on a regular basis we and then you know my wife and I started to support them financially and then they approached me for a board position and sort of grew naturally and we mm-hmm. had some fundraising events on my house where yeah. we where we invited um uh, folks and and uh, that was sort of my first real involvement was was faith-based nonprofits and yeah. and uh, so that was
0: thank you Nathan so mm-hmm. you are welcome yeah. mm-hmm. and as as we've talked about before it's my older brother who got me interested and involved in this place. I mean, you and I have both walked the streets in this environment in Guatemala and it's just so completely jarringly different than the streets we walk here Mm -hmm. in the New York city area. Can you tell me about your first experience being there on the ground? Yeah. So um
1: and it was my first experience with any t- type of mission trip mm-hmm. um uh, and i wouldn't call it a mission trip it was what we call a vision trip so mm-hmm. I, you go in there you 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 meet the locals you you walk the streets you do prayer walks and and you do house visits and then you visit the the ch- the, the school and the kids and so forth but it's pretty much you go in within two three days and you 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 go out again. It's not like you're building a project or, or, or yep. contributing something there over longer periods of time. The, the, the key takeaway for me, uh, doing my first trip was how I didn't expect so much happiness. Mm. So I, I went down there from a perspective. was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm coming down to all, you know, to this really dark place, but I found a lot of hope and, mm. and, and, um, I found a lot of hope in that dark place, and yeah. and and the, so when that really re- that was surprising to me. Yeah. I I saw a lot of darkness as well, which was tangible, which I had not been uh, exposed to mm-hmm. b- before. So that was very humbling and 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 frightening in, in a way, and and uh, moved me closer to what God sees all day long when He looks at mm-hmm. all of us. Uh, you, you know, be it. Um, Financial uh, darkness, or or some other darkness. I mean, there's so you know we we can be very spiritually impoverished in in these very wealthy areas here, and, and suffer equally hmm. as people suffer physically physically in in some of these locations. So that was um, that was a humbling experience for me. Yeah. So I wasn't the one who you know I was humbled as I moved right. into this area.
0: You experienced people in in total material poverty. But some of their joy and their hope surprised yeah. you. Yeah, I remember something that surprised me similarly when I first went there. Was I felt unmistakably and palpably the presence of God. I remember it was almost like walking through jello or something. It was just thick in the air, and it was the very presence of God. And I just I had goosebumps almost the whole time. It was amazing. I, I don't think you know looking out at a photograph over this place that we're talking about. You know, it just it makes you sad looking at the picture. You know, it's people living in all these these little huts and there's no sewage system, so it's gross and it's just total poverty. The clothes are dirty and tattered and worn and the police won't even go in there because it's so dangerous, it's run by gangs. You know, you look at it from afar and you think, "Oh, there's a place lacking hope or joy or the presence of God." Right? And then once you walk in and you start talking to people, you get to know people place is brimming with hope and joy in god's presence it's startling isn't it
1: it is these um when they when they um when they announced me joining the board they asked me to give a little description of myself it's part of the um the um the newsletter they wrote there and and i wrote a quote in there which which resonated with me which is I felt closest to God Mm. in hard places, right? Because I Mm. think that picks up a little bit what you just said. There is this other uh, quote, I don't remember the, the, you may remember the name of the book, but this quote where it says, grace is like water, Mm. it pools in lowest places. That's right. Right? so that's where where, uh, grace is, you know, on a relative basis most needed and that's where it's most tangibly felt. So when we walk the streets of Greenwich or New Canaan, um, we don't see that as yeah. stark in, you know, this contrast. Uh, notwithstanding, I bet you there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who go to really dark times, yeah. um, um, you know, maybe not financially, but otherwise. But but when you go into these raw places where, you know, people just die on the street yeah. and, and there is, in, you know, incredible... Uh, darkness in terms of sexual abuse, mm-hmm. uh, gang yeah. violence, and so on the force, forth, and people just coping with it somehow, and then and then the 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 light of God shining through this through yeah. the work of the missionaries who are in there who bring yeah. the schools there and then bring you know keep the light on mm-hmm. God's light on to shine yeah. a shine some light into that dark place. That is incredibly uh, encouraging. Yeah. And that's where the hope comes through, right? Despite the the misery these people experience day in or night. So I don't want to under... Yeah. Uh, I don't want to... Um, yes, I saw a lot of hope and happiness, and that surprised me. Yeah. But I also don't want to... Uh, I saw a lot of misery and in totally. darkness as well. Totally. Yeah.
0: And that's why it's surprising, yeah. because yeah. of the... Yeah. So you you've done this work in Guatemala, but yet you also have this role in a financial institution. And... Can you talk to me about, does it feel like whiplash when you go between the two settings or, um, you know, I I guess another thing I'm, I'm wondering here in all of this is, have you ever asked yourself, why don't I just quit my job in the financial sector and go do missions work at some of these nonprofits that I so care about? What has motivated you not to do that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, it's definitely crossed my mind. Um, and the reason why, why I didn't land there at, at, at this point in my life is really for two motivations. One, I didn't want to do it for the wrong reasons, being sort of um, doing it because, you know, I am just sort of want to have a less stressful life and want to sort of do something outwardly good. And and I felt like I wasn't I didn't you know who am I God puts me with my talents and you know how into the financial service industry why do I need to get out of there to to start something completely different which I have not been really exposed to mm-hmm. and where I would be um, where you know uh, I wouldn't have the right education for and mm-hmm. so on and so forth so I didn't want to do it for the wrong reasons and B which is a bigger was a bigger driver for me is like I feel like um, I think the industry needs people of integrity. Mm. And not, not that I, I consider myself someone who is like, you know, brings light into this. You know, I, I try. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I also see this for me as a face journey because as, I, in, as I'm involved in, in the corporate life, sometimes for me the lines get blurry. And I, and I see myself convicted by God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, well, Rav, you push it a little bit too hard here. Mm-hmm. You were thinking a little bit too tactical. Are you getting? You know, are you going to be? Are you part of the politics, or you know, are you really? I've put you into this place to set an example, so the lines get too blurry. So that's a incredible, humbling experience for me, where I say, "Well, you know, this is God, God is sort of preparing me for something else, and I need to honor this, and and I still need to clean up a lot of my yeah. garbage." Right? You know, we're all broken. You know, we should not think that just because we do good things, we are. So much better, you know. We we are broken, and and that's not going to change. You know, um, we are saved, but we we have we have a long way to go. We're not Jesus, and 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 so every every opportunity I I take, you know, it's also for me trying to self reflect. You know, how can I get mm-hmm. better? What is a more Christ like behavior? What what are some of my motivations why I do these things? Are they all pure? Mm-hmm. Do I need to think a little bit more about it? So it 's almost it 's a bit of a battlefield in you know the financial services industry right you right. you have to you it's it's not easy to always keep you stay on the high road it 's really not mm-hmm. right so so it's mm-hmm. it's you want to be a light but you also want to use it as a as a means of self reflecting on yourself what you how you can learn from these experiences and how you can maybe do it the next time better if that makes any sense
0: it totally makes sense it 's almost as if you're saying. That both settings are mission fields for you. Yes, absolutely. Walking the halls of the of the UBS buildings and walking the streets of a Guatemalan slum are both opportunities to for me, for serve me, God. Yes,
1: and for me, walking the streets in Guatemala is a much for me. Mm-hmm. It's a much easier field because it is so the the contrasts are so stark. Right. That that it's nothing's hidden. Right? Not, nothing is hidden, and yeah. and. Uh, uh, Wall Street is a little bit different, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, so, you know, where we, it doesn't need to be Wall Street. I don't want to have that bad connotation, but it could be mm-hmm. any other industry Good. or any other we corporate dress up life. up real nice, right? You know, it's, it's just, it's a little bit more subtle. Yeah. And it's more difficult. So it, 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 um, uh, in the end of the day, I think God works with us wherever we are, if we are open to it. Yeah. And, and so that's why I haven't, at this point, I feel a calling, if you will to stay where I am, where mm-hmm. I have my talent and what, what God has brought me up so far in terms of my skills and my experience. And, and I, I feel like that's where God calls me yeah. and to stay.
0: And not to mention another contribution in the kingdom is people like you who have enough capacity, financial capacity to support and fund missionary organizations to those materially impoverished places. I want to ask you as well, I want to kind of come home for a moment, come into your actual household where you have a wife and two children around the same ages as my children. I know that you have a real passion for that almost as a mission field as well, Mm -hmm. to love them well. Can you talk to me about that and and has that ever come in conflict with your other callings of other mission fields? Um, I wouldn't say it has
1: uh, come into conflict, but Mm -hmm. there were... If I look back over the last, I would say five eight years, there were seasons in my life where, when when this whole engagement started with the nonprofit work and that mm-hmm. you know was was that ministry we just talked about, and there were some others I was involved as well. At one point, I was in three boards of nonprofits, wow. and then I got a little bit too busy, yeah. and and I felt, um, what am I doing in my family? Mm-hmm. You know, am I am I Am I too focused on, and that goes back to the motive, what drives me to, right. to be in, accepting all these board positions, right. and, and do I do enough for, for my family? Mm. And, and, I, and you know, God was telling me, at, or at least I discerned that, well, Rav, it's good, you, know, you have never done this, you know, mm-hmm. so it's good for you to, to gain some foothold there. But there was a certain point where God called me, like, you need to step back. Yeah. Um, um, I've shown, you know, different worlds and you need to bring this back into your family. Yeah. So I've, I've, uh, um, stepped down from some of the boards, mm-hmm. uh, consolidated this, got too busy also with the job. Yeah. Um, um, and, and spend more time with leading my, f- you know, mm-hmm. my family, mm-hmm. you know, bringing in, um, uh, uh, you know, readings at night and, and mm-hmm. praying and. And just being more focused on the family, Mm -hmm. spending time and and ministering to them to to the extent I can and growing in faith with my wife and myself and with the kids, that was becoming a much more important thing. Not necessarily at the expense of the others, but but Mm -hmm. there was a different season. And maybe God calls me back at a certain time, but that's where I am right now.
0: Well, you and I have talked about this, but I have the exact same dilemma sometimes. There was a time when I was on three boards as well. I think around the same time you were on three boards. I've now pulled that back to only one. Yep. But even that one, you know, every time I have to get on an airplane to go to my board meetings, they're in Michigan. And every time I leave the house and go catch a plane, I realize I'm going to help this institution that I love in Michigan, but I'm also leaving my household in order to go do that. And as it happens, the board meetings that I go to are timed every year. They actually hit my son's birthday in January and my daughter's birthday in May. Not and good. so that's been, I did not know that when I signed up to serve this board, but it, it sometimes it becomes very stark like that. Yep. You're going to either be at your daughter's birthday or you're going to serve on this board. And that's really when I'm hearing you say this as well. You begin to ask yourself, what's my motivation here? Why am I serving these things outside my home and my immediate workplace? And, you know, you have, be, you have to be able to answer it honestly and say, God has called me to this. I realize it's a sacrifice for me or for my family. But it's worth it because it's serving the world in this larger way.
1: Yeah, for me, scripturally, it's it's a, there's a clear priority, right? You know, you 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 have to serve God first, mm. then your family, yeah. then your friends, and then the you know the, the nations, the world yeah. around you. Yeah. So, but but there could still be times I feel where God calls you into different, you know, re- you know ask you to recalibrate your priorities a little, mm-hmm. prioritize, recalibrate your priorities a little bit to learn from it. You we, we can sort of, c- could be synergetic to what you do back right. in the family. Yeah. So I'm open to that. But yeah. you have to, I, I find it healthy to always self-reflect mm. why you do what you do. Yeah. And to, to make sure that, you know, I do this a lot. And, and, and is that coming from the right motivations? Right. Do I want the honor of sitting on a board, or do I want to do this because God is really calling me? Um, Have
0: you ever heard of what people call the Messiah complex? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I have to ask myself. You know, people ask me to help, and it feels good to be wanted to help. You know, and is that just kind of scratching that itch of the Messiah complex? Look, Look at me with my red cape showing up to help and save these people. As opposed to it actually being a call from God saying, "Nathan, you have the skills and the ideas and the relationships that would really serve this institution well, so I want to plug you in," you know, for my glory. Basically, that's a whole different conversation than me liking to be liked.
1: We were, uh, I was, uh, and you may want you you may touch on it later. But we had uh, we have a Bible study in my house, and last night we talked about the uh, the book of uh, Joel, and um. And there's this, um, this, this verse in there where, you know, you, wh- it talks about repentance and, you know, rent your hearts, not that's just right. your garments. Yes. So that, that really resonates with me because there's a lot of stuff we do which is, you know, renting the garments. But, you know, right. are we really <laughs> going a little bit deeper? And, and, and that's where I think um, that's, uh, it's healthy as a Christian to continue to, continue to self-reflect.
0: Wow. Rend your heart, not your garments. There was this tradition in the Old Testament times where people would tear their clothes to show God how much they were sad about something, and God looks at them through the prophet Joel, and he says, do you really want me to know that your heart is broken about this? Rend your heart. In other words, show me that your heart is broken, your inner man or woman. Don't just tear your clothes. That's almost a religious, it became like a religious, religiosity. Appearance, right. right. And he's saying, I'm way more interested in what's going on in your heart. Yeah. You mentioned the Bible study. I know that you love God's Word, mm-hmm. and I know that you have this men's Bible study in your home. What motivated you to start that, and what's it like? That was, um, um,
1: it's still relatively fresh, uh, fresh. It's about a year year ago we st- I started that. I'd been feeling the call for this for quite some time, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to, uh, you know, we were just about t- around 10 people sometimes a little less sometimes a little bit more i didn't want to overwhelm my family too much yeah. with this like you know having 10 guys coming there on mm-hmm. a weekly basis um so um so at a certain point you know my wife encouraged me mm-hmm. uh and that was for me the signal to yeah. okay now i need to I, I gotta do it so i that was that was a beautiful thing um and um, uh, we're going after the, uh, you know, t- teaching from the the Bible project. So we sh- look at, at a, we're going book by book. Hmm. Uh, we're not going into d- individual verses necessarily. It's yeah. part of the study, but we're trying to sort of discern the key themes of each book, each part, yeah. how they connect to each other, the books, and how they all point to Jesus and, and how, what is the so relevance for us in our day-to-day life. Yeah. And to, to take more of a macro picture than, and and then, and I, uh, it so I um, it has helped me a lot because as I preparing for these studies, it yeah. it allowed me to to go much deeper, yeah. and and see things which I hadn't seen before. Um, I feel some of the men they get a lot out of it as well, so that yeah. makes me that that's a really good feeling. Where that you being part of God's tapestry of restoration, I, I love yeah. this term. Um, somehow that God uses you mm. for them, and um, um, and my family, I feel they also get something out of it. They mm. they get excited when I, you know, my wife always buys um, uh, nice things. We we serve, you know, like cakes and, and mm. fruits and so on and so forth. And has become a rit- you know routine, and it's it's a you know it's almost like um, it's a beautiful thing to bring into your house mm. a Bible study, right? You know, it's like there's this this weekly. Um, you know these these godly men come in and want to mm. study the word of God, and there's some something pure about this, and 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 that that resonates with my family too. So it has it has become a beautiful thing.
0: That is a wonderful illustration of what you were saying earlier of. Stepping off some of the board involvements to prioritize yes. the discipleship of your family. Yeah. Now you have once a week ten men coming to your home. Your kids are going to remember this their whole life. This is really shaping them. Whether they're actually yeah. studying the Bible with you guys or not, they're seeing this is a priority for Dad. This is a priority for us. God's Word, right? The Bible shapes us. Yeah.
1: My my ten year old son has asked a couple of times he could partake, and I'm mm. I'm now say no, Julian. <laughs> Not yet, because I don't want to distract the man when, you know, because he would ask a lot of questions. But mm. sometimes I feel like what's, you know, interesting that he asked that That's question. That's great. Yeah.
0: His curiosity is there. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Ralph, is there anything else on your mind that you would want us to be thinking about? We've covered a lot. We've covered your your role on Wall Street, but also your heart for the poor, whether it's material or spiritual, and also what it looks like to lead your family with discipleship. Is there anything else you would want to share with our listeners? Um, No, I think um,
1: um, nothing in particular. What what I think, just self-reflecting on my own faith journey, uh, I want to reiterate the the importance of, of carving out time with God on a daily basis, mm. silence, and alone time. Well, what does
0: that look like for you? You say carving out time with God on a daily basis. Mm. Do you do that on your train ride in, into your your work? Do you do that in your home? When do you carve out that time?
1: I try to do this in the morning. Uh, when I commute into the, into the city uh, um, or Weehawken, where I have an office um, in New Jersey, uh, I drive. So I, I listen mm-hmm. to tapes. Yeah. Um, when People, I what do you
0: listen to? Sermons, podcasts, anything?
1: Uh sermons. Yeah. And in, in, in uh podcast, you know, mm-hmm. Bible project, podcast sermons. Yeah. Um uh typically, you know, since I started the Bible study around, you know, specifically on on, yeah. on certain books of the Bible I, I prepare for. Yeah. Uh and before that, there's there's a wealth of material out there, you know. Um uh Jesus walks on Wall Street, hey, occasionally nice I hear nice that. Plug. I listen to that as well. Fascinating. Um and and uh, when I when I work uh, in the Stanford office where I live in in Stanford, mm-hmm. uh, I I come in very early and I just okay. you know have an hour for myself. Wow! There's nobody in the right office. Right there at your desk. At my desk, yep. six thirty in the morning. You open your Bible and read it. Uh, either the Bible or or I prepare or and, yeah. and do some prayer and, and just sort of. And when I very very occasionally, very seldom happens that I neither are driving in the city, meaning listen to tape, or I don't have the time because I get this really early conference call. And I do feel my whole attitude is different. So, mm. so I think it is important. It has always been important for me. I get a lot out of it just to stay focused mm-hmm. and then to self-reflect. And that mm. allows me also to self-reflect because we get easily into this, and I can just share my own experience, we get easily into these um, moments where we feel so comfortable with everything we do. Yeah. But we need to always second-guess our motivation. Never forget that we live in a broken world, and mm. we are broken.
0: That's awesome. It's not only self-reflection, I think, but what you're allowing in that time with God is you're allowing him to reflect on yeah. what your motivation is. You're letting the Bible uh, yeah. read you, in a sense.
1: Have him fill me uh, with his agenda, mm. uh, which is easily crowded out during the day, but during yeah. busyness. and. and and keep on focusing on him and and reminding me throughout the day uh, um, uh, what what God's calling is on my life as opposed to my interests. Amen.
0: Amen. What a wonderful place for us to wrap up. Thank you so much, Ralph, for sharing your heart and your story and your motivations. I really appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I, I appreciate
1: that. God bless you. It was a good experience. Thank you. God bless you.
0: You've been listening to Jesus Walks on Wall Street with your host, Pastor Nathan Hart.